In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, When I arrived here a couple of weeks ago, the congregational president asked me a a question concerning the definition of stewardship and how we might uh, address that topic. Now, if you've ever been part of any stewardship program anywhere, uh, you've heard that term, stewardship. Uh, The idea that someone has given or entrusted something to your care for a time and for his purposes until he returns. Uh, When I was a child, my mom taught me that lesson at a very early age. She would uh, give us a little money to take and put in the offering plate. And then we got older and I I made my first $2 or whatever for an hour of work or 10 hours of work back then. And uh, she said, okay, well, a tithe in the, in the Old Testament was 10%, so what would that work out to? And she pulled the dimes together and, and said, okay, now this is what you're going to put in the offering plate on Sunday and return to the Lord for giving you uh, this gift. Now, that worked fine for a couple of years until then I got to high school and the pay went up and the number got greater and greater and greater. Then it became a little more uh, easy to say, well, maybe we can start lowering that amount a little bit. Uh, Stewardship is a struggle when our eyes get off the focus of the Lord as the giver of gifts and the one who says he will continue to bless us and take care of us. The parable today teaches us some important lessons about stewardship as we await the final day. God knows, first of all, what to give us according to his wisdom. If you'll notice in the parable, one got five, one got two, one got one. He knew the character of the people and gave them according to what he deemed they would be able to handle. Uh, Some receive more than others. Some receive different gifts, all to be used according to his plan and his purpose and his glory. But the one thing that we all receive in like manner, which is the heart of this parable, is faith in Christ the grace that he gives us uh, freely that we share with others that they too may know uh, their Savior, the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life. All these things uh, come from the hand of a gracious God and grants that we use them for his purposes as redeemed children of God. So as we get to the final weeks of the church year and the return of Christ, we're confronted with a couple of kind of tough questions. Uh, What has been important in my life? What has been a priority in my life? And how have I used my life and the things that God has given me of his grace as a stewardship? How have I used these things? What has been my passion? What have I poured myself into? Uh, What have I sacrificed for? What will the Lord say regarding my life on that final day when I stand before him? Uh, Of course, with the thought of that end usually comes fear, doesn't it? Uh, We look at our lives and we all find that our attention has gone here and there and everywhere and not always exactly where God would have it be. And so we wonder, will the final day be a day of wrath? Will it be anger? Will God uh, chastise us? Or will it be a day of mercy, uh, of, of peace, of joy? The prophet Zephaniah, just like our our Old Testament lesson last week, gives us a pretty grim example uh, of what he would say the last day would be like to a people who were complacent towards God and lived their lives thinking everything's fine, God's not going to do a thing. 
And he describes that day as darkness and wrath and judgment. Uh, It's a scary picture. Uh, But then we get again to Paul, and just like last week, he's He in Thessalonians is giving us it from the other side, the last day for the children of God. Um, A different picture. He says it'll come suddenly, certainly, without a warning, like a thief in the night. Not something you expect. People um, will complacently lounge in their place of peace and security. And if that's the case, they'll, they'll find destruction. And yet, Paul will focus us as believers to a people who look forward to that day as children of light and a joyous reunion. He doesn't talk about it as being death and destruction for us, but he uses uh, the picture of labor pains. Will there be a hardship on those end times? Yes. Um, And so he uses the example of a woman who's giving birth to a child and the pains come, and that's probably not real pleasant. Uh, But she's able to go through those because she looks forward to what? Uh, A baby. Uh, And when that comes, all the the pain goes into the background, um, except for when they describe it to the husband. But they look forward to that child. He uses that picture for us, the joy of birth, uh, not not a picture of the end of life, a new beginning, a new hope, um, wonderful things. The last day comes suddenly and quickly, but not unexpected, he says, like uh, giving birth. You know it's around the bend, You're not going to be surprised. Uh, Christians uh, know it's coming. For thousands of years now, you'll hear every generation say, and and people will look at the news and I hear this often, oh, I know he's coming in my lifetime. Uh, Every generation knows it's around the bend. When will it be? It's got to be soon. Look at the way things are, are happening. Every generation. For Paul and Thessalonians, the coming of the last day is one of, again, daylight. Uh, The night is over and the sun's rising. Uh, It's hope of a new day and a new creation and new joy. The world's night is ending. The dawning light is already appearing. Uh, I don't know if you get up early. I'm I'm kind of a morning person. And I I love that uh, early in the morning when the the sun just starts coming over and you can see the light rising. And if you you have a, a view to see the sun as it starts peaking and the pink colors finally come, uh, and you, you, you can start the new day with great joy. Uh, what is before me? Uh, the new creation has dawned in Jesus Christ, and we look forward to return with this new creation where uh, everything is right and sin is gone and our bodies that are failing are new and the pains and the aches and all the things we deal with, the brokenness of the world is gone, and then we gather around the throne uh, with only joy and all, all the hardship and the brokenness is gone. Christians are a people who live as people of the light, uh, the early dawn, waiting in faith for the sun to arise uh, and a new day begin. While the unbelieving world sleeps, uh, you are people who stand ready, vigilant, watching like soldiers. It's coming. The breastplate of faith and love protecting your heart, hope of salvation protecting your head as you, you live your every day. God uh, has not destined you for wrath. And so we don't look at that last day with total fear and trembling. Uh, Instead, we stay awake uh, for the one to arrive that we've been waiting for so long. It's what the last day is about for the baptized believer. Not a day of wrath, but of salvation. Not of darkness, but of light. 
The time, again, in between is a time of faith, and that brings us to the parable of the stewards or the servants in the text today. Each entrusted property in the form of talents. Now, a talent is a large sum of money, uh, about a thousands days wages. Uh, it's not just a coin, a thousands days wages. So imagine the one guy gets uh, five thousands days wages from this, this king, another two thousands days wages. Even the one, a thousands days wages, is a pretty big sum. Uh, he entrusts it to you uh, and goes away. Now, if you notice, he doesn't tell him what to do with it. Um, he just goes, no direction. How are you going to deal with this gift that he has given you? Now, for us, how, is he, how are you going to deal with this gift of faith and the stance of being a child of God, living in the day, and the, the hope and the joy that you have in this dark world? How, how are you going to live with that? Um, the man goes away, and he comes back, and the first two come, and they've doubled the investment. And, and the, the man says, well done, good and faithful. Enter the, and what, uh, key words, the joy of the master. He doesn't say only two. Uh, shouldn't you have done better than that? Uh, no, he rejoices. Then the one comes who uh, only brought the one. And that's where things get a little bit ugly. Instead of the joy of the master and welcome, the third is condemned uh, and cast out into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He buried the talent, did nothing with it, uh, was afraid. He's afraid of judgment. It's why he didn't turn a, a prophet at all. Um, now, why didn't he invest it? Um, he had nothing to lose. It wasn't his money. Uh, the master didn't say, now, this is exactly what I want you to do with it. Uh, he was free to make choices and get out there and do something with it. Instead, he didn't do a thing. Why? Why did he bury it? Why did he take all that God had given him in the Son, this status of joy, and hidden it away? Well, it comes in a key word um, that we need to ask. When we look at our life of faith and how we live it and how we rejoice in it and how we share it with others, uh, do we live our life as the ones that we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or do we live hiding it? The key word in this text is fear. I was afraid. Fear. Uh, fear of failure. Fear of punishment. Fear of loss. Fear of the father's disapproving gaze. Uh, fear is the great paralyzer in this life, isn't it? It prevents us from getting off the starting line and doing anything if we're afraid. I was afraid. Um, God wrote the explanation. Why did this man bury it? Um, he was afraid of what he thought God would be like. His picture of God um, was as a, a wrathful, judging God. And so he did nothing. I was afraid. So we have to ask the question in our life. Now, what are we afraid of? And when we look at how we deal with things, um, why do we lack generosity? What are we afraid of? Um, isn't it because if we give something away, we're afraid we might not have any more? We might run short? Uh, it's why the average giving in the church, uh, do you know what it is? Uh, across all denominations, the average giving is less than 1% when they take the total of all members. 
afraid? Why do we lack courage to talk to others about Jesus um, out on the street uh, when we are meeting new people? Uh, Now, I got it kind of easy. I wear a black shirt everywhere I go, so people kind of know what the deal is. Uh, And most of the time, the only people I deal with, uh, other than going to a store here and there, is you. And so I don't have to worry too much about how I talk about the Lord uh, because you, you love the Lord, and that's why you're here. But you bump into a lot of people, neighbors that move in, down the street, people at work, uh, etc. Um, why do we kind of hide it? Are we afraid of what people might think of us if we talk about it a little more? We live in a time where it becomes more and more difficult to speak the faith. And so even as a church, we can become paralyzed, afraid of what the community might think of us. He goes further. Why are we slow to forgive? Afraid that our neighbor might get away with something? Uh, No, they should pay the price for what they did wrong. Uh, We don't want to just freely forgive. Why do we lack faith? Uh, Maybe we want control of more things. Why do we fail to do good works? Are we afraid we might be exploited? I hear it when people will deal with uh, homeless uh, people. I've seen a lot of them here. And it is a fear that we go through, okay, well, if I give it, what are they going to do? They're just going to take advantage of me. They're going to use it for the wrong things. And so we end up not doing anything. We hold it to ourselves. Why do we feel insecure about ourselves and our future? Um, Why do we not fear, love, and trust in God as we should? Why do we bury all of God's gifts? It's because we we too are afraid. We fear our God might be less gracious than we hope. Might be wrathful like this one man who said, I knew you were tough. And so because I was afraid, I decided to do nothing. That's you and I under the law, but we're not under the law. Christ has paid the price under the law. He's been judged. uh, And so we don't have to live in that terror. Uh, If that's your view of God as this wrathful judge who's sitting up there with a chalkboard marking down, oh, didn't do that, didn't do that, then you get to the end, and what's it going to be like? You'll be afraid. Oh, my goodness, here he is. But if you look at him as a gracious and loving God who has already forgiven all your sins in Jesus, who has already paid the price, and everything you have is all pure gift, and that that final day comes with joy, um, well, then you can look forward to him coming and saying, Well done. Enter the joy of your Father. All your works are Jesus' works anyway, and you'll receive uh, that time of great joy. The man who buried uh, the talent, he believed God was wrathful, and he got exactly what he thought God was. To those who saw God as gracious and were free to to share the good news, uh, they received the joy. So what about you? Uh, Do you have anything to lose in this life? Has God not said, I will give you all things? Uh, Is not heaven already yours? Um, No matter what, can anything take that away from you in Christ? Nothing, Paul writes in Romans 8. So uh, live your life with a little bit of freedom, a little joy, a little levity. Uh, All that God has given you to invest in his work and in the gospel and to share with others and live a life For them, the judgment ends in Jesus. Uh, If you want an easy text to explain, I think the the verses you all know by heart. Uh, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, no, but that the world might be saved through him. When Jesus comes, is his great joy, oh good, I get to call them to account? Or is it to give you the joy that he has prepared for you? In the end, uh, like people of faith, uh, we might say in the end, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I know I I was a little too timid, I could have made more than five. Uh, And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter your rest, Uh, enjoy life. Or if I return to, Lord, I should have been a little bold. I wasn't. He'll say, ah, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest. Christ has already done it all. Uh, Live a joyful life, awaiting the end, not afraid. Be at peace. Uh, The crown awaits you uh, as the children of God. In Jesus' name, amen.